While we each lived through the same pandemic, our experiences were vastly different. Families may have lost loved ones or faced serious health challenges or repeatedly isolated at home. Some may have been frontline workers. Others may have lost jobs or faced serious financial disruptions. There were school closures. We may have been unable to enjoy or participate in important life moments or rites of passage. Disparity in our society amplified all of these challenges further. Looking back through the pandemic, we all have those difficult moments that stand out. I think back to that spring, a month or so after the world turned upside down. My wife and I were fortunate to be able to work from home, but it wasn't easy. Schools were closed, daycares were closed. We both had demanding jobs, along with a four-year-old and one-year-old. <sighs> that second-born child. She always likes to run, climb, jump, bounce, a handful. So, my wife was in one meeting, I was on the phone, and our youngest decided to take a nosedive from the couch because that's the kind of thing that she does. There was a bloody nose, many tears. It was all too much for all of us. This incident forced us to reflect on the stress we were feeling at this time. It was nearly impossible to maintain balance. I know it's a sentiment shared by many families in a variety of ways through all the shocks we faced through the past couple years. So today, Let's talk about mental health, wellness, and how we can better deal with the challenges that come our way. I'm your host, Darcy Noel. This is In Conversation with OCDSB. Mental health can be a difficult conversation. And before we dive in, let's start with a disclaimer. It is not the intention of this episode to pathologize anyone or offer advice to those who may be facing a crisis. There are a number of emergency supports in the community that are able to help. Also, if you feel you or your child needs professional mental health support, you can contact your school or health practitioner for assistance. Through the pandemic, there's been a common expression on the topic of mental health. It's okay to not be okay. Now, what does this mean? It means that with every shock or challenge added to your life, you might feel sad, grumpy, angry, or just exhausted. And that's completely normal and understandable. A shock could be a personal matter or it could be issues in our community or beyond. It may come suddenly or they may just pile on top of each other until everything is just too much. There are many things we don't have control over, but what are some tactics you can use to better deal with what you can control? I have with me today, Emily Bala, the mental health lead for the OCDSB. As a mental health lead, Emily oversees the development and implementation of the district's mental health strategy. In this position, she provides direction for student mental health promotion, prevention, and intervention strategies. Welcome, Emily. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Great. So to start, now over the past few years, we have dealt with a lot of challenges. 
When you speak with parents or students about how to deal with these issues, what's your main message? I think, Darcy, my main message is acknowledge what has happened and what continues to happen. I think that our starting point needs to be just that, that it has been challenging. It's been challenging for individuals. It's been challenging for families. It's been challenging for communities. Um, I think that sometimes um, we get this message that we just think positive and we just need to push through and all will be okay. And I do think we need to find ways to navigate through this time, but um, I think that the notion of fake it till you make it really diminishes um, the experiences that, that parents are having and that children are having right now. So, so we don't want to invalidate the experiences. Um, now, that doesn't mean get stuck in the emotions, but it does mean that we need to recognize and acknowledge them. So, so I think that sometimes we find it hard to talk about uncomfortable emotions, but um, the truth is that I think giving language to them actually gives us power to, to make meaning of them and to, to recognize them. So I think that's my starting point. Um, I think I also talk to people a lot about having compassion for themselves and for each other right now. I think that... Uh, there is no doubt that it, it's helpful to have perspective. I think, as you talked about in the introduction, that there certainly are um, people are differentially impacted right now, that this time has really highlighted the health and social inequities that exist. Um, and so it's important for me to recognize my privilege, but, but also know that there's not a finite amount of empathy. So I can have empathy for others and recognize their stories and also uh, have moments to kind of take pause and, and recognize the challenges that I too uh, am having through this time. So I think that that's really a big piece. I also think that a big piece is around um, really being okay with not getting it right all the time. Or I don't know about you, Darcy, I think that maybe half of the time I'm not getting it right and, and that's okay, right? Because it's about accepting where we are in this moment and just doing the best that we can. So I would say those are, you know, acknowledging it, uh, having compassion, and then I think really intentionally um, connecting with each other. I think that that core of, of having relationships, having people to reach out to, I think that as humans, we're kind of social beings, and I think many of us through this time have not felt very social and maybe do not want to be social, but one of the things I do encourage uh, both parents and, and students to do is to reach out to others, to, to be intentional, because we don't need to hold this stuff alone. You know, we, we weren't meant to, and so check in with one another through this time. So disruptions in our lives, they may be particularly difficult for children to process and to understand. So how can, how can parents or guardians help navigate these situations with their children? Yeah, I think it's really true that disruptions can be, can be tough to process. I would also say that what we need to remember, though, through this time is what, what our kids need most is us. Um, that we really are the foundation that's going to help them through this time. And so I think that at the core for us as parents, it's about being, being present. And I think it's about being available. I think it's about being supportive and empathetic. And, and that's not easy, right? When we're stressed and we're, when we're stretched, I, it's certainly not easy. But um, I think part of that's because we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to have all the answers and it's really hard to let go of the notion that we just don't and we certainly don't through this time. Um, I think that as parents we also want to really fix things for our kids. I think we want to take away all of those uncomfortable emotions and that makes sense. It's hard to see when our kids are struggling, right? Um, but I think that what we've learned through this time is, is our role is to really 
walk alongside them, to be on the journey with them because we can't fix it all. So, so I think it's that message of, you know, it's hard and it's tiring sometimes, but I'm here, right? And I'm not going anywhere. So um, I think one of the things or how we can demonstrate that maybe for our kids is, is really to check in on them to talk about how um, some level of stress and worry uh, might be expected during this time. Um, and that's okay. And that maybe we're having stresses and worries too and naming that, but also talking about how we're getting through it. I think that that is a huge piece to this. So what can we model for them? I also think that with our kids, we want to start from a place of curiosity, right? To, to talk to them about what it is that they know and understand about what's happening and create space for that. Um, I know as a parent, I like to talk a lot, and I think sometimes I need to just um, not talk and just sit back and listen, um, and also listen without an agenda to teach a lesson. As parents, we're really good at like listening to our kids, but already knowing what we want to say to teach them some brilliant lesson, and so I think it's really about uh, slowing down and being present with them and not minimize their experiences, right? Because we can be empathetic with them um, and not necessarily have the same perspective, but just to hear them and validate their emotions. Because in the end, you know, when things are tough and uh, they just need to know that we are there for them and that they are safe and that they're loved and we've got them, even when things are messy. So how do these, how do these discussions change depending on age? Um, I know I've spoken with some parents who have older children and they're wondering, you know, with teens or preteens, how to, how to navigate that. Yeah, and I think that it's so right. I mean, I think at the core, it is the same message of they need to feel connected and loved and um, supported by us. I think that you're right that uh, that certainly w might look different. I think the starting point is we need to know what our, our child's emotional or developmental age is. So it's not based on chronological age. So you could have a 14-year-old that really responds like an 8-year-old. And so then that's where you need to meet them in that place of an 8-year-old. So really knowing your child um, is huge. I think that when we're looking at younger kids, they need things that are more concrete uh, they may, through this time, be struggling with naming how they're feeling. What are the emotions that they're having? What does all this mean? I think there's these emotions we all know, sad and mad and, and happy, but there's so many emotions out there, right? So how can we build that vocabulary for our younger kids? And I think we can do that through things like reading books together and um, talking about what's going on in their body. Um, and so how does that link to different feelings? So... So I think there's real opportunity. I think when kids are younger, we also need to talk about uh, that reassurance around safety right now, I think needs to be really present and overt. I think as kids get older, then the conversations shift a little bit. That's where it might come back to those conversations around modeling that, yeah, I'm feeling some stress too, and, and this is how I'm getting through it. These are the coping strategies that I'm using and sharing that with them. And then you, you mentioned the teens, and that's, that's a hard time, right? I think that the teens is when that, that emotion center part of the brain is in hyperdevelopment, and so emotions are really raw. I think that in the teen years, we see that push-pull, I want you, I don't want you, you know, I want you close, I want you far away, and those, those are hard things to navigate for sure, I think, as parents. Um, I think for teens, though, again, it's about creating space to connect with them. 
And maybe being mindful of when we create that space. So is it, you know, we're driving somewhere or just before bed, you know, you're probably not going to sit down your, your teenager and say, hey, let's have a big deep conversation. You might not kind of get the response that you were hoping for, but, but really um, just trying to find those moments with them. The other thing I would add to that, Darcy, is through this time, I think that conversation around media so how much time our teens are spending on media? They're getting a lot of information right now. Uh, how are we modeling, you know, that limiting of media I think is also really important. So I would say being mindful around that, having conversations with them around that, um, and ask them, where, where's their information source? Where are they drawing that information from? And so that allows openness to dialogue as you move forward. In a lot of these conversations, um the word resilience is used to describe children. What does this word mean to you? And, you know, how can children be supported to be resilient? Or is this a fair characterization? So that's such a great question. I think that resilience is, um, is not a simple topic, to be honest with you. I think that when people talk about resilience, they often talk about that ability to bounce back from difficult experiences or to thrive in challenging circumstances. Um, and certainly there's a lot of, of writing that highlights that resilience is not a character trait that you possess. It isn't something you're born with, but something that you can learn um, and you can develop. So, so who doesn't want their kids to be resilient? I don't know about you. I definitely am hoping that certainly my kids, you know, learn that, that. Um, I do think, though, that we tend to send the message, however, that resilience is something we need to do alone. Um, that just, again, that whole just think positive. And as parents, we tend to sometimes feel guilty or really worry about our kids if they're not responding in a way that, that we see as resilient. So uh, they must lack the desire. They must lack the strength. And so if they don't uh, respond in ways that we see as resilient. So, you know, the truth is that uh, resilience is really something we don't do alone. I, I really like Michael Unger's work. He talks about the true resilience is about navigating the resources in your environment. So it's really more about a nurturing environment than it is about kind of changing ourselves. So um, I think that's really key when we talk about resilience. I know that there's, um, there's this great uh, data that somebody had shared with me many years ago. It was uh, Sean Aker's research. And he said, you know, if you are standing in front of a mountain on your own, it looks 10 to 20% steeper than if you have someone standing there right beside you. And so it really just speaks to, again, when we have someone with us that are in it, that is truly what helps us to navigate things. Um, so it's, it's about finding, I think, those, those safety nets for us, that community around us. I think the other piece that we need to keep in mind when we talk about resilience is that um, I do think it can be sometimes used as a way to absolve um, responsibility to, ad to address the inequities that exist. And so the notion that a, a system doesn't need to move to create possibilities and instead the focus is on the individual to overcome the barriers. So, um, so I do think we need to kind of examine it at all levels when we're talking about resilience that... Uh, you know, you are not alone uh, to have responsible to kind of make things better, I think is the key. And so how do we work as a community to create environments where children, adults, and communities can thrive? So you've mentioned earlier that it's good for parents to model calm in the face of challenges. But as any parent knows, this is hard when you are dealing with the stress of what's going on and you're trying to project this image of calm at the same time. Um, 
What advice do you have for parents to, to deal with their own stress? Yeah, I mean, this is hard. <laughs> you know, there is, there is no doubt about it. I think that the reality is, as parents, I think we're really great at giving fabulous advice to our kids, and it's really hard for us to do some of those things ourselves. We do struggle, I think, to model this for them. Um, but what we know is that children watch um, what we do, not what we say. And so um, I think as a parent, it feels sometimes counterintuitive to, to take care of our needs first, but we need to recognize that we can't give from a place of, of emptiness, right? That we, I need to take care of myself so that I can take care of you. So I think that that's a real big piece here. And that needs to be really intentional. And I know that you use the word intentional many, many times probably, but I really think that it is about giving ourselves permission to do this, um, let go of parental guilt, which many of us carry all the time. And I think sometimes with this, we carry the guilt if we, if we do it. I also think sometimes we carry the guilt if we don't do things to kind of take care of our own stress. So, so just giving us, again, that comes back to that compassion and being kind to ourselves. So, so we do need to, I think, adjust our expectations. I do think that in order to kind of manage stress ourselves, we need to get back to the basics. And I think we know what all those basics are, right? We know that sleep and movement and nourishment and connection with others um, is at the core of what we need. And it is not the, the only thing, but is absolutely a piece to help us get through this time. So... Uh, I also think the other thing I would say is that we exert a lot of energy thinking about all the things that we don't have control over in our world. And so um, just really focusing and adjusting where our attention is, is really key. So, so I think that for parents to manage stress, it comes back to the same things that I would tell students, reach out find your people, you know, find a community of care around you, make yourself um, a priority. Uh, and if we can just do even some of those things, I think it will help our stress and also will demonstrate what that looks like for our kids as well. Okay. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share? I think that the, uh, the only thing I think as parents is we put a lot of uh, pressure on ourselves to get it right. Um, and there is no manual on how to parent, right? And there's no perfect parenting, and certainly not through the last couple of years. So um, I think that anyone, even with multiple kids, I don't know about you, Darcy, but you feel like you got one figured out, and then the next one comes, and everything is, you know, new again. So I think, again, just, just being kind, recognizing the stressors of the last couple of years, recognizing that uh, there is no perfection here, and just be kind to yourself, um, be kind to one another, and recognize that you're, you're doing enough, and that you alone are the thing that your, that your kids need. That connection is what they need. So you're enough. Thank you very much, Emily. Um, that, was, that was really helpful. Thank you. So that was Emily Bella, Mental Health Lead for the OCDSB. Through the pandemic, we've seen our understanding of mental health shift pretty dramatically and gain broader awareness. While many of us may not have reached the point of crisis, we know there were times that we were not okay. Now, I'm an optimistic person, but it would be inappropriate to tell you that whatever you're dealing with will get better. It's always darkest before the dawn kind of thing. But know that you're not alone. There are many people you can talk to and community supports available. It's okay 
to not be okay. But we can work towards feeling a little better. We've included links to resources on our podcast webpage, ocdsb.ca slash inconversation. That's all for our show today. I'd like to thank Emily Bala and our technical producer, Mike Gibo. I'm your host, Darcy Noel. Until next time, take care. No.